Miami had a slow start but mounted a furious comeback without Jimmy Butler in the lineup in a game with playoff intensity and incredible performances across the roster. Six players scoring in double figures, but Damian Lillard came up big in the fourth quarter and the Heat comeback fell short as Miami was eliminated from the in-season tournament. We'll break down the game on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Mark Goldberg. Joining me as always, David Lamel. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Recording this Tuesday night live from Kaseya Center, where the Miami Heat just lost in the Milwaukee Bucks, 131 to 124. An exciting game uh, overall at the end. Uh, some key plays, swing plays that we'll get to later on that ended up deciding this one. Um, but a few big picture takeaways to start. Um, first, the Miami Heat with this loss officially eliminated from the in-season tournament. They will not move on to the knockout round. Las Vegas will not be in their future, at least as part of this in-season tournament. Uh, but I want to kind of touch on the success and all the in-season tournament stuff later on. Yeah. Let's talk about the game. My biggest takeaway from the game specifically, and I think you agree on this one, Really impressed with the Miami Heat despite the loss. Yeah, no. I, I think the slow start was really atypical. But the shots that they were taking at that point in time weren't bad shots necessarily. I think everybody was kind of just finding their rhythm to a certain degree. And for whatever reason, the shots weren't falling. But they were one for 11 to start. Yeah, one for 11, 15 to two start. Uh, it seemed like it was going to be a blowout. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen with this Heat team, given the fact that Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, their best and most combustible player out of the lineup. And you're not quite sure what's going to happen from that point. But give the Heat credit. They found a way to chip away. Started getting to their spots. Josh Richardson hit some big shots. Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin. Everybody started outperforming that slow start. And then from that point forward, they just build momentum slowly. They actually wound up taking a lead. And you thought maybe Miami might have a chance until that late in the fourth quarter when things got away from them a little bit. No Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero, no Haywood Highsmith. They sure. go with a three-man bench of Jamal Kane. Um, and now I'm blanking. Uh, Jaime Jaquez and Caleb Martin. This they got contributions up and down the roster. It was one of Bam's best games of the season, and I loved how he just went at Giannis, not afraid, taking the taking the the competition to heart, and just being like, "Hey, I'm just as good as you." Was sort of the message that he was trying to send to Giannis. There was a play late in the game where he just basically posted up against Giannis. Everybody cleared out for him, and he just shoved them and shoved them and shoved them until he was below the rim. And then knocked him over, and he ended up getting a, a foul call on the play. I think it was Bobby Portis came in with help defense and ended up fouling Bam. But you just don't see that. You don't see anybody just push Giannis out of the way. No. Um, and there and Bam like just played with so much strength. Yeah. And we've talked about this a lot this season. Uh, just Bam out of bio's evolution, especially on offense. And and I've talked about this like last year. A lot of those 15-footers, those foul line jumpers sort of floating away from the basket, a finesse shot. It was a finesse shot in order to get around and get shots over these big guys. He's basically flipped that. He says, instead of trying to get over or around the big guys, I'm going to go right through him because he's one of the strongest guys in the league. He just flatly is, and he's using that strength to such to, uh, to such a degree now that I think it's elevated his game so much to the point now where Giannis had 33 points tonight, Bam had 31 Giannis got a lot of it at the free throw line. 
I know we'll touch on the free throw disparity a little bit later for sure. Oh, yeah. But I, I came away thinking that Bam was the best player on the court. Oh, tonight. no, I'll, I'll double down on that. I think it's undoubtedly that Bam Adebayo was the best player of the game. On a, on a night when he was sharing the floor with Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bam Adebayo was the best player out on the floor tonight, even if it wasn't in a loss. The total effort, the physicality, doing everything, finding ways to combat not just Giannis, but Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, it didn't matter who Milwaukee was sending at him. Bam was finding counters to that, being aggressive, consistent. He is having his best season of his NBA career, which has already been extraordinary, and he's playing even better, getting better with age. Every season, finding ways of improving the aggression, the the assertiveness. Eric Spolstra and Kyle Lowry speaking after the game, both talking about Bam and his incredible improvements. Dame mm. Lillard in the uh, Bucks locker room saying that Bam has gotten better. And I, I think it's pretty clear to see that Bam has gotten better. Just the fact that he was willing to take on whatever challenges, and, and you po- pointed at that physicality with Giannis, an incredible effort from him. And you knew that he was taking it personally, wanted to make an impact especially with Jimmy out of the lineup, and he had a fantastic showing. Unfortunately, a loss, so people will probably discount what it was that he was doing, but I thought it was yeah, an incredible you, effort. There's no way you can. If you watch this game, that you can discount what it is that he did. And Giannis had a great game, and and, and Damian Lillard can, scored yeah. 13 points in the fourth quarter for Miami, and we pointed this out. I was like, this is going to be a talking point if Damian Lillard goes off in the fourth quarter to take this win away from Miami, which is essentially what he did. Dame time, right? And that's sort of what Miami was missing in this game, even though Bam had it kind of going late in the game and, and you got contributions from other uh, places. But at the end of the day, it just felt like Milwaukee's star power yeah. was too much. It kind of reminded me of like the big three heat. It's like they could just play a kind of like a C-plus game and and against a team that was kind of giving it a B-plus, A-minus game and still come away with the win just because of their talent. And that's kind of what it felt like uh, and this one, Eric Spolster, even after the game, saying like Milwaukee makes you think that you're making mistakes just because of how many shots they make, but you're not really making any mistakes. And I thought the Heat played better. I thought they played better basketball than Milwaukee did. But again, the Bucks just have so much talent on that roster. Well, it's hard to stop them. This was a four point game with a minute and a half left. Chris Middleton hits a turnaround jumper. Um, him back from injury had a really good fourth quarter too. Middleton hits a turnaround jumper. There's that foul call on Damian Lillard on Miami's side of the court. That Spo just loses his bleep after, yeah. gets called for a tech because he believed it was a travel, and I think he had a case. Um, but it basically it was a two point game at that point. Damian Lillard goes to the other end, three technical free throws uh, at that point between all that stuff, and then uh, a couple possessions later, Brooke Lopez uh, just hits an open dunk out of a timeout, and that those those three possessions basically swung the game in what was a four point game with a minute and a half left. Uh, Milwaukee just sort of going away with this one, and it wasn't really competitive for like the last twenty seconds. But um, still, you take those swing plays away, and and the Heat were were right there. Well, Eric Spolster said specifically about the uh, terrible foul call and the ensuing technical free throw that it kind of just took the wind out of their sails. And yeah, just, I think that's fair. I, I think it was a turning point that way because yeah. it just you kind of feel like there's nothing much you can do. I, I think to your point, that was with a minute left, with the exception of that fifteen to two start. Miami played better overall, and then at the end, they played as well as they possibly could, and you can just see, well, it doesn't really matter because either Dame's going to get the call or Giannis is going to get the call, and I know we'll save the free throw discussion for later on, but I think overall, though, if you're going to take any positive takeaways from this as a Heat fan, it's that Miami played really impressively without three starters, two of their best players, and they were still able to hold their own, and I think you can see 
actual weaknesses in the Milwaukee Bucks roster. As oh, much yeah. star talent as they have, there's a lack of depth there. And I think Miami can find a way to exploit that. And we saw Bam match evenly with Giannis Antetokounmpo. We're talking about an MVP player, an MVP candidate perennially, and yet Giannis, I'm sorry, Bam was able to hold his own, and, and more so, I think. He was able to have an overall floor game. So with despite the addition of Dame Lillard, and I know a lot of people will despair about that because that's what Heat fans do, I think you can still look at Miami's roster and say, you know what? They've gotten better. Somehow, without the addition of, of Dame Lillard, this is a better team than they were last year, and they were pretty damn good last season. Um, they've lost three straight games, but it doesn't feel <laughs> like that. Yeah, he was right? asked. Um, was asked about that. So was Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and it feels like that. Like, I get it. It's a good question. And because it does feel like, despite having lost three straight games, that this team is moving in the right direction. And a big reason is because of the injuries. No Jimmy Butler for a lot of these games. Duncan Robinson missed two of those games. Um, they've had a lot of guys out. Haywood Highsmith with a tailbone injury. And I know, like, heat culture, blah, 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 next man up. Like, you just need your best players, all right? Enough with the next man up stuff. At, at the end of the day, you need the best players. That's why you acquire better players, all right? So the fact that they didn't have them and these games have been so competitive, you you zoom out away from the, the, the results of the individual games and you look at the trend lines. Yeah. And this team is playing really good basketball yeah and when they are fully healthy and you mentioned that they're better they are better they're better like duncan robinson is evolved bam Adebayo is evolved jimmy butler with his three-point shot is a big deal jaime hakas jr is a rotation player right now that, uh, that they did not have last year caleb martin is starting to come into form here too so yes. um I, I, his, I, mean, I want to talk about caleb because i know we're not going to give out you know, credit cookies in this segment but i think his touch around the basket was sensational yeah shades of last year Yes, uh, and Josh Richardson really coming into his own. Spo was yeah. very complimentary of him that if you've been watching him play over the last few games, you've been seeing that kind of uptick in his overall performances. And I think it's just it, you said it best. I, I think this yep. team is just deeper. They're playing well, and you're getting contributions across the board. You add great players like Tyler Hero and Jimmy into this rotational mix. This is a team that's pretty tough to beat. And unfortunately, we won't get to watch them in the in-season tournament. I'm actually pretty bummed about it. Oh, I'm, I'm surprising totally myself that I actually care about this thing. We'll talk a little bit more in-depth about the in-season tournament, what it is that happens now that the Miami Heat are out of it, uh, and if the Heat themselves are disappointed that they didn't make it. We're going to talk about that next year on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our por- partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. You can basically choose from any of this team. He's got Jaden Ivey of the Detroit Pistons, unfortunately losers of 14 straight, but Ivey has stepped up in that starting lineup now. Al Horford is playing pretty well for the Boston Celtics. Gordon Hayward. Is having a pretty good season, although he struggled in Charlotte's loss to the New York Knicks tonight. Sadiq Bay, uh, with the absence of Jalen Johnson due to injury, mm. I think he's a good addition. Uh, but you also got Scoot Henderson, the rookie there. Any one of those players that you think will really stand out? I like Scoot. He's going to have a bunch of opportunities. He's playing a little bit slower than he was before the injury. Uh, he's worth a flyer. You know he's going to get the shot attempts. Yeah, no doubt. I think Bay, I mean, a player that Heat fans really liked when he was kind of stifling there in Detroit. I think he's got some. Didn't nice he have like a forty-one of- point game once against like the Orlando Magic? Something crazy. Like he did have. He's just one of those guys that could just go off. Yeah, I, I, I and think you'd he- want him on your team if that happens. Absolutely, absolutely. So Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors you knows the championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. 
Same with your vehicle. Listen, vehicles are so important to what we do in our life nowadays, but sometimes, well, you've got problems with them. And I know Wes, I know I hate to bring it up. That's all right. You had a recent problem with your vehicle. Yeah, you know, I got clipped. Uh, some guy hit Miami and run. Driver. Just unbelievable. Um, hit and run, clipped my uh, front right headlight. Uh, and I and you actually brought it up. You're like, hey, like, why don't you look at EB Motors? Like, that's a really good idea. I go on, boom, within like 15 seconds, like a bunch of different options for specifically the right headlight on my specific vehicle and i was like wow that was crazy and for way cheaper than i thought it was going to be that's what it is that's how you find the parts and it's easy to install i mean look there's some things you just want to be able to fix yourself rather than taking it to a, a, a shop and ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make your ride stay running smoothly brake kits led headlights roof rack bumpers even headlights whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay's guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash so keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions do apply back here with locked on heat thanks for making locked on heat your first listen Every day, every day, or tune in tomorrow for our mailbag episode uh, going into the Indiana Pacers game. Get your questions in, uh, lockdownheat at gmail.com. You can find us locked on heat on Instagram. And of course, you can always send those questions into us on Twitter. Use that hashtag askloheat. We'll get to some other listener questions uh, from after this game in a minute. Uh, but let's get to the in season tournament uh, part of this. So the Heat uh, were 2 0 to start the in season tournament games. They lose to uh, New York at Madison Square Garden. Then they lose to the Bucks, obviously, tonight. And they're eliminated from the in-season tournament. Asked the players and coaches after this game. All of them said, yeah, we're a little disappointed. But uh, what Kyle Lowry said, and I think this is interesting, he really liked the in-season tournament. He was in on the competition part of it. And uh, I think all of us were pretty much were. Um, but then said, you know, it's that was a sprint, and we still have a marathon ahead. So I think a lot of people would say, oh, heat culture, like they'll just go after this, like, arbitrary award just because they always want to win and that's what they do and whatever and not to say that they weren't but they also have like a bigger focus sure. in mind which i found interesting yeah no i think that's fair i i think look the more skeptical and cynical among us will probably say well the players don't really care there's nothing in them but they're so naturally competitive which is why they are one of 450 players across a planet of seven and a half billion people like you don't get to the nba without being hyper competitive and understanding what's at stake here and they just want to win games any opportunity to win any game whether it's an in-season tournament or not i think they'll want to win it as much as they possibly can but when you have these additional stakes they certainly gear up for it so i, I do you feel it Yes, like the the extra competitive, the engagement. Think, do you I, feel I, it? I think Kyle said it. It's like you know, you kind of start off and you're not really sure what's happening because you know the courts are different, the uniforms are different, and just you know things are a little they're, they're hyping it up and everything mm -hmm. else. But then as the games progress, you start watching the standings a little bit. You've got the, the you know how what and group play who's standing out, and it feels like something. Whether you know the, court, the courts have been ridiculed because they're so bright and things like that. But I think it's all part of making this stand out. Like you see the court and you associate it immediately. Oh, this is an in-season tournament game. And I think it's effective in that way because it makes the game different than just a regular November game. Like here we are talking about a game against the Knicks that maybe nobody else would care about. And yet it has this incredible implication right. for being eliminated in the in-season yeah. tournament. Like that's 
you know, it was a Friday night cast off game on any other season, but here it becomes something greater than just the sum of its parts. And so you're looking at the injury report a little bit closer, like this, sure. this game's an injury. Is Jimmy going to play? Is he, he not? Yeah. You know, it, and, and you said it, you said it best. It, it's definitely something, right? <laughs> I'm not really quite sure what it is yet, but it, it's something and something in, in the place where nothing was, right? right? And not to dismiss the regular season as, just the regular season, but yeah, it's like people always said, like the, the it doesn't feel like the NBA really starts until Christmas anyway. Right. And so if you give us this a little bit of something, we'll 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 be in on it. We're not I mean I, look, I was very cynical. I thought this was absolutely ridiculous, but you do sense a level of engagement from the players. Even that Knicks game, like the Heat lost that game. They were up by 21 in the in the second half. They're going on a 19 0 run to start the third quarter. I don't know that a Tom Thibodeau team necessarily, you know, throws the, the towel in. But maybe they would have, like, even like subconsciously, like, yeah, you know, it's just a Friday game in November, like, no big deal. We lost this one. He'd go on a 19 0 run, yep. tip your cap, move on to the next one. But they fought back, right. right? In that second half, and you get that level of engagement. Bam out of bio in the in the group stage finale, 42 points tonight. Like Spo went with a playoff rotation yep. here. Eight guys, no Thomas Bryant, uh, no Orlando Robinson in this one. Like he just went with eight guys and staggered. Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love in a way that felt like a playoff rotation. Yeah. So I don't, I, I won't go so far as to say that it feels like playoff games. It feels like playoff stakes because obviously it does not, but it felt like something a little bit more than the regular season. And for a league that has struggled to make specific games across the calendar, especially early in this uh, portion of the regular season matter and feel like they matter. I think that's a win. And the other part of this, too, is that engagement from the players. Even if fans don't necessarily understand the in-season tournament and the brackets and the spreadsheets and the the scenarios of if you win this by this many points and all that stuff happens, and then maybe you're in the wild card or something. Even if you don't understand that, the product on the court is better because the players are just more engaged. That's fair. I I mean, I felt a playoff intensity. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how to compartmentalize whether or not it was just because you're facing Giannis or because you're facing Dame or because you're facing the Bucks that have been a longtime playoff rival. But maybe part of it is that, maybe a big part of it, and I think it was, is, is the tournament, the opportunity to continue to play, to win, to establish yourself as one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They want to win every game, but this game in particular, because of the implications, because of the pay, because of the opportunity to say, you know what, we're the first team to win this tournament. I think it all mattered and I think it's unfortunate for the Heat because I think they would have liked to have moved on. A guy like Kyle Lowry, a veteran who's won an actual championship at the NBA level, has accomplished so much over the course of his career, multiple all-star teams, a possible Hall of Fame career, I think a likely Hall of Fame career. And yet he's talking about this like, you know what? It sucks. I really wish we could have gone on. I, I, you know, We kind of felt this energy as, as, as the tournament progressed, and we would have liked to have continued to play in Las Vegas, and it's unfortunate that we weren't given the chance. So... In-season tournament update is a thing we do now. Yeah. Um, the Heat are eliminated uh, from the next portion, which is the knockout round after the group stage. And then after that, you end up going to Las Vegas for the, I think, the semifinal and the final? Or yes. just the final? Yeah. yeah. Those those two games. Milwaukee, number one seed from the Eastern Conference with a point differential of plus 46. They went a perfect 4-0 in Group B, winning Group B, which was the group Miami was in, obviously. Indiana, also 4-0, the first team to clinch in the Eastern Conference. They go 4-0 in their group. They're plus 39 in point differential, so they're the number two seed. Boston ends up winning their group, despite having lost to the Magic last week, which put them on the rocks a little bit. They ended up winning, uh, and with their point differential plus 27, end up getting in over the Magic, who are not in the tournament now. 
which I think is so interesting because they were also three and one in the buck in the Celtics group. So they're they're because they're a virtue of tiebreaker and something. There's like three different teams that were three one in that group. So it went to point differential instead of head to head. It was crazy. The Celtics get in, whatever. The Knicks end up getting the wild card. They're three and one. So Miami playing in the toughest group. They got two people out of Group B going on uh, as the four teams representing the Eastern Conference of that group. David, do you have a favorite? Do you not you know not a favorite team, but a, a team that you would bet on to win the whole thing? Uh, I think the Knicks. I think that hmm. uh, they might not be as much of a marathon mentality there, but I think the way Jalen Brunson has been playing, they could seem. I think they're that kind of team that might look at this and say, you know what, we haven't been able to accomplish much at a postseason level. This is just kind of a taste to wet our appetite. That's W H E T, wet our appetite. <laughs> oh, somebody dropped something to Kaseya Center. That's not taking place here. Maybe that's just the the Bucks playoff chances. You know, I don't know. I kind of like Indiana in this one. I just think that their pace in like we'll this is them. not a play. It's not a playoff series, right? So it's just one off games. So I think with their pace and the way they play, it's so hard to adjust to that. If it were playoff series. They'd probably be the last team I would pick out of this group because I have questions about their defense and their experience. But it's not a playoff series. It's more like March Madness style. And so you had to adjust to their pace. And I think that could throw off a lot of teams. So I, I kind of like Indiana here. You know, there's a possibility that we'll see how the Pacers because they're going to be in town for the next couple of nights. That's true. That's right. Uh, Post game Thursday night on that Wednesday night. Star Wars Thursday night. Thursday. Ooh, Star Wars favorite night, November night. 30th. Yes. Uh, we got our listener questions next, including one about Bam Adebayo. And I'm going to clear out. And David is going to talk about the officiating that's coming up next here on Lockdown Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot over at FanDuel. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel and there's no better time to get in on the action, this app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options from spreads to player props, over-unders, and so much more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for everybody for sending in questions using that hashtag, AskLOHeat. After the game, as always, you can send in those questions there. Lockdownheat at gmail.com. Lockdownheat on Instagram, where the DMs are open. This question comes from Christopher, who writes in, Do you think Bam has this strong of a game if Jimmy and Tyler were healthy? Can he sustain this when the whole team is fully healthy? What do you think? I do. I think we've seen these kinds of performances from him. Not just yes, in, the, in exactly. the regular season, but also in the playoffs with either Jimmy out there. I, I think this is just the nature of this team is that Jimmy, as great a player as he is, is not that kind of consistent dominant force. Uh, he's not your averaging 30 points per game kind of guy. He's not going to get those kind of shot opportunities. We've seen him have positive impacts, really great, efficient games where he scores maybe 20 or under, you know? And, and I think that's just how he's built, how this team is built. And as a result, uh, I think Bam will find opportunities to step up. And, and this version of Bam at a bio, I think, will assert himself more often moving forward. So, yes, I do like Bam's chances of being able to kind of have these kind of opportunities down the road. He's the Heat's leading scorer already this season with Jimmy, without Jimmy, with Tyler, without Tyler. For the balance of the season, he's the team's leading scorer. This is the new version of Bam Adebayo. Is it going to be 30 points every night? No, of course not. Nobody's like that except for basically Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic at this point. So, look, I think the Heat needs somebody to get closer to 30 points per game average they've got jimmy 
Bam and Tyler, who are basically all hovering around 20 to 22. Mm-hmm. Bam is probably around 23 points per game now. Yeah. They need somebody a little bit clo- on the other side of 25 points per game. That's so, when you look across the league, the, yeah. the, the elite teams all have somebody averaging at least 25, 26 points per game, uh, if not closer to 30 points per game. And so I would love it for Bam to be this aggressive. And I think he is discovering that about himself. He just did this against Giannis, man. He was going through Brooke Lopez. He was going through Giannis. He's gone through Jaron Jackson Jr. He's gone through Rudy Gobert. He's gone through these guys all season long. And so he's got that. He's That mid-range jumper is so sweet sometimes. And so when he steps into it in the rhythm of the offense, I just feel so good about that going down. It feels like that shot, he's taking it much more in rhythm now and not settling for it, if you know what I mean. Like He's taking it when the defense is giving it to him and it's wide open as opposed to settling for it or kind of going into that turnaround spin move version of it and shooting it at a 50% clip, that's a good shot. So between that and getting to the basket more, I love it. I think when he's facilitating at the nail, he had five assists tonight. It should have probably been more if Miami didn't miss a bunch of shots early in this yes. game. Miami's offense opens up. When he's the fulcrum of the offense, when he's in the middle of the floor doing stuff, Miami's offense just functions a lot better. And you can also, and then you just layer on the Tyler Hero dribble handoffs and that two-man game that was developing a lot before Tyler Hero went down. Uh, the pick and roll game that actually got things that made things easier for Bam. Ditto for Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson's finding Bam on lobs uh, too. And obviously that two-man game has been a, a staple of Miami's offense for the last four years. Jimmy Butler playing off of that in the dunker spot, cutting all these things. Caleb Martin, Jaime Hawkins finding their spots in in sort of this Bam-centric universe. I think that's the best version of Miami's offense. And, and I would love to see them just continue to lean further into it. And J- you know that Jimmy doesn't really want to do that in the regular season. Bam kind of does right now. He's kind of on a mission, right? Not just to win defensive player of the year, but he's he's kind of on a selfish mission this year to show people what he is. And I'm here for it. Like, I think they need somebody on a selfish mission. To just take this regular season seriously and 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 just sort of terrorize other teams. And that's what he's trying to do. I don't know how selfish it is, but certainly I think he's trying to squash once and for all the he's not aggressive, he's not assertive, whatever you wanted to call it in years past. And, and look, we kind of understood that there were moments there where he wasn't necessarily assertive, but overall his impact was still so great. But this is a different version of it. I think it's marrying all those different parts of who he is, not just the fulcrum, the hub on offense, the defensive genius level plays that he makes so consistently. And you couple that alongside this incredible scoring streak that he's on right now. And I think this is the best version of him. And a little unfortunate that he wasn't able to get to the line more five of seven from the field and for his 31 points. But think about this 13 of 27. He took 27 field goal attempts. I love it. Last year we were like, can he get to 18? And there were nights where he wouldn't. And today he had 27 field goal attempts and the 13. You can see this. If you didn't watch the game, it does sound inefficient, but I think there were a lot of missed shots there that just unfathomably fell out. There was one time where he was driving baseline and had like a wide open dunk and the ball just as if a ghost came from out of nowhere, hmm. poked it free, flew up in the air, and he just – I've never seen Bam bobble and a ball like that. It just it must have been sweaty. It's or, not even that inefficient, right? 13 to 27. Yeah. It's just a hair below 50%. So <laughs> exactly. I'm here for it, and he should be taking 27 shots a game. I'm here for it. But the thing is, he also doesn't. When he sees that Tyler Hero's got it going, That's when he, he sees is. that Jimmy's got it going, when he sees That's that really. Hamehaka, he's just like, all right. I'm going to do my thing because he knows he can impact the game defensively at a really high level too. Yeah. There was uh, one last thing here uh, in the fourth quarter. There was a, there was sort of a, this back and forth between Bam and Giannis that was yes. so entertaining it and was. I loved it. Bam cleared out the court 
everybody, he went ISO post up against Giannis. Giannis ends up poking the ball away from him, causes a turnover, got the better of him. You know, credit to Giannis there. Giannis gets the, recovers the loose ball, takes it down the other floor. Bam recovers, sprints down to the other side. Giannis kind of, kind of draws back a little bit. Bam gets in front of him. Puts himself in position and then draws the charge on Giannis. And like that little back and forth, it's like, okay, like they were going back and forth offensively the entire night. And then defensively, they kind of made big plays, right? Giannis with the poke away and then bam, getting on the other side. And they both kind of got a W there um, from the other one. So I just, I love to see bam like that. If he's elevating himself, saying, I'm not even going to worry about Damon Lillard, I'm not going to worry about Chris Middleton. I'm going head to head with maybe the MVP of the league right now. He did. And and he, he certainly did. All right. You know I hate talking about officiating. So do I. I think it's no, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I don't. I don't ever look at it as an, an excuse. I think there are nights when there are bad calls. Okay. okay. Tonight was let's, one let's, of let's them. Ask, let's ask the question here. Max writes in: Are the officials getting worse? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to give me like stats about whether or not they're good or bad. This is just an opportunity. I'm going to clear out. I have a rule that I don't talk about officiating. You're a little bit uh, more. Open to, open to talking about it. You you acknowledge that it's a factor in the game. I pretend that it's not. I understand that. But I'm clearing out. I'm clearing out your Bam Adebayo, and I'm Caleb Martin in the corner just waiting my time. All right. Go ahead. I Have your you. officiating No, thing. it's not a rant or anything like that. But I think you see Eric Spolstra lose his mind late in that fourth quarter in a tight game where Damian Lillard basically, like Jeremy Lin years before, just throws his head back and all of a sudden magically gets a call going his way. And I think he takes – I don't even know how many free throws – of his 10 of 10 free throws, I don't know how many of those he took in late in the fourth quarter, probably most of those. Giannis, literally, let me see. I, I've got the box score right here. Let's see. Giannis took four free throws, and Damon took five free throws. They made all nine of those in the fourth quarter, and I think that was the deciding swing. I don't want to necessarily take anything away from the Bucks because they did play overall a mostly good game, but I think the edge was their ability to get to the line. I asked Kyle Lowry about it. He kind of said, you know what, this is this is who they are. You understand they're all NBA players. They're going to get those calls. I call horseshit. I'm sorry. I don't think it's fair that they should just get those calls because they're all NBA players. Like there are, there's they, the referees are so inconsistent on when they let players have this incredible amount of physicality where they can attack each other, bludgeon each other to death, like Giannis and Bam were doing. But then if Giannis falls, oh, that looks like an obvious call. Let's make that one. And if not for a brilliant Eric Spolster challenge, it would have been another flop from Giannis to lead to two more free throws. Instead, it was, you know, taken away. It was a successful challenge. So my overall point is just that I think they got the benefit of a lot of calls and made a huge difference down the stretch. As a result, they get the win. And like I said before, I think it takes a lot of their energy and emotion out of it, knowing that there's only so much you can do if they're going to be able to just flop their way into a win. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel.